Welcome to Get Your Rocks Off with Mick Wall, the world's leading rock and metal writer. Each fortnight, Mick will unpack rock and roll stories. Stories that you probably won't find in print. So pour yourself a Jack and Coke and get ready to get your rocks off. So, um, uh, welcome back to another edition of Get Your Rocks Off. Just burping, sorry. Uh, with me, uh, well, we just had a bacon, bacon sandwich, didn't we? The, the post-lunch session has begun. The post-lunch session. Yeah, so here we are. Uh, and before we go any further, John, because John, he's John, I'm Mick, I think, and uh, uh, we have some... Can uh, I just draw <laughs> the studio door to your attention, which keeps... Oh, oh I keep oh, thinking it's going to slam. Hang on. There Thank we go. There we go. There we go. No heavy metal pug last Today. time or this time because yeah. he's he's with his actual. He's on tour. He's out there. He's he's on he's, tour. he's making waves. Yeah. Yeah. Farting and Meet, snoring. Meeting his public. Yeah, we're going to put some pictures up of him soon, aren't yeah. we? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So um, now, John. Yes. Before we go any further, I believe well, we have what's known as some uh, corrections, corrections and clarifications. Unusually, yeah, we may sure, have. We're not sure in which order the podcasts go out, but these these pertain to the episode that was about the numerous singers who've been in Black Sabbath. That's right. Yes. I think we're calling that episode the numerous singers of Black Sabbath episode. <laughs> yeah. Of which this, this episode is going to follow on, but even in the numerous singers that we did mention... There were even more we research, didn't. Afterwards, we, we had a little look and had a few messages from various people saying... We did. Yeah, you forgot this guy and that guy. <laughs> yeah, OK, we did. I, I, don't we you forgot. love it, though? Seriously, I, I, I'm always pleased to receive I'm always pleased feedback. to hear what I've done wrong. Yeah, I, I like feedback I love from a, Yeah, Especially when it's sort of couched slightly sarcastically. Yes. As if you've sort of forgotten that, you know, Robert Plant was in Led Zeppelin or something. I love the ones that that just basically call us assholes. <laughs> yeah. Like ha- Listen you know. up, asshole. Yeah. Do you not did you not remember, first of all, that Ron Keel was in Black Sabbath? I never knew he was in Black Sabbath first time around. I never knew he was in Keel till <laughs> I looked him up. When okay, when was Ron, Ron Keel in Black Sabbath? 1984, just before our chum David Donato. So was he already in Keel, or did he well, form I, Keel I, I, after I, his famous st- stint I, I in he, Sabbath? I think he used Sabbath as the trampoline ah, for, for the Keel. platform. But, could, but again, I could be wrong. Who fucking knows? I could, who knows? Well, this is what Google. By the way, listeners, this is this what, what Google Google's is. For. For. Yeah, if you think we've got it wrong, have a look on yeah. Google. That's fine. We don't care. Yeah, give a shit. We don't care. Go Yahoo. Yeah, yeah. Do we like ask Jeeves if ask you want? Ask fucking Jeeves. Jeeves. Shit. Fucking Jeeves. Ne- next one we apparently forgot. Apparently forgot. You remember this guy, Jeff Fenholt? This one you're making up. I'm not making up, Jeff Fenholt. Uh, A.K.A. A.K.A. Jeffrey Craig Fenholt. <laughs> an American singer and musician and actor, best known for his performance as the title character in the original Broadway theatre adaptation of Jesus Christ Superstar and for his appearance on the cover of Time. In later years, Fenholt gained notoriety as a Christian evangelist and a singer and as well as controversy over his involvement with the English heavy metal band Black Sabbath. No shit. When was he allegedly well, in the band? Well, he allegedly was in Black Sabbath. At the time, 
uh, of Seventh Star when Glenn Hughes turned up. Glenn Hughes, who we did mention. We remember yeah, Glenn mentioned Hughes. Mentioned Glenn, yeah. Mentioned Glenn. Yeah. Tony Iommi was putting together his legendary solo album. And he had in, what was the geezer's name? Jeff. And he, and, and no, Jeff his old Fuck pal, Welt. his old chum, Don Arden, gave him a call. Ah, yes. And said, it'd be a good idea <laughs> for your future health were you to have a chat with Jeff Fenholt. He said, Tony, yeah. legs do break, Mr. They, Iommi. They can break. <laughs> they can, but they might not. But they can. But they can. Think about it. Yeah, absolutely. And and then we also didn't mention later on, after Glenn, PG as it's known, post Glenn. Yeah. Ray Gillen. Now see that, that. We did mention Ian Gillen. We mentioned Ian Gillen, which in, in fairness, Ian Gillen actually made an album with Black Sabbath. And Ian Gillen is more famous than Ray Gillen. True. But Ray Gillen, I really I thought was a great singer. He was in a group uh, in the early before he died in the early nineties with Jakey Lee. You noticed I didn't come in there. You, you didn't, did you? No, no. no. carry on. No, that, that was condemnation by omission. <laughs> Is this how you treat all dead people? Yeah. Go, well, go, go, Where's the respect, John? Jakey Lee. Jake Where's Lee, the respect? Jakey Lee, who you know was Ozzy's guitarist. So again, Black Sabbath connection. We're mentioning that. Don't write in. Okay, so Ray Gillen. Now Ray Gillen. Okay, wasn't there a Okay, I can't remember the actuality, but wasn't the thing with Greg Gillen, um, wasn't it one of those weird things where they had a singer who had done the album, possibly The Cat, I can't remember, or before The Cat, I can't remember, but they had a singer and it was all going and, and that singer got sacked or left or left them in the lurch and they brought Ray in mid-tour, well, okay, something like that. Uh, you're, as usual... <laughs> You're half right. <laughs> okay, if I would say to you in 1986, Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath began a tour for the Seventh Star album, which started off as a Tony Iommi solo album, but then became a Black Sabbath album, fronted by... Glenn, Glenn Hughes, Hughes, with added zeros. Glenn Hughes, I'm, I'm quoting here, got into a fist fight and lost his voice due to the related sinus and throat injuries. <laughs> And that's when they brought um, Ray Gillen. They, Ray, that's when Ray Gillen came along. So you didn't like Ray Gillen's voice? No, I, I, I'm perfectly happy. No with respect it. I, I, for the dead. I can't remember particularly what it was like. It was kind of like this. I <laughs> finish with my <laughs> woman. All you, all you need to know, it was at that point in better shape than Glenn Hughes's voice, <laughs> which had been punched out of him. Yes. In a fist fight. Well, yes. yes. A fist fuck. Oh, no, fist fight, sorry. Yeah, but, John, don't start nasty rumours yeah, that, like that likely to get you Can in I trouble. Can I draw your attention to mm-hmm. the fact that it was... It, it, yes, it then was um, Mr Tony the Cat Martin. And the other the other omission we made when we were... We, the one we, you forgot. We, we weren't sure whether you could have a headless cross, whether there was such a thing as... Well, a, no, in fairness, I think you were the one expressing uh, doubt. Yeah. Whereas I had no problem whatsoever. Accepting there was a headless cross. But what we had forgotten was that wasn't the only cross that crossed the path of, of the Tony cat. the Cat Martin. Because he then appeared on a, another Black Sabbath album, which was called Cross Purposes. And here's something I meant to mention at the time, but now that you bring it up again, I, I'll, I'll add another piece of the jigsaw here. Is... 
the, you know, you see, do you know what a headless cross was? Yeah. I well, the clue is in cross purposes. And what they are signing to you at this point is, and I can't remember if it's lucky or unlucky, yeah. one or the other, um, if a black cat crosses... Ooh, if, a, if a Tony cat crosses your path. Crosses your path. Is that good luck or bad? Yeah. I don't know. Well, it's supposed to be, isn't it? It's it's an augury, isn't it? It's an augury of, of something happening. I yes. Know. Yeah. So good luck or bad? Well, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I suppose luck is luck. The interpretation is whether it's good or bad is up oh, to that's you. That's deep. That's yeah. deep. Yeah. That's deep. Yeah. yeah. I know. Anyway. Yeah. But then there is a segue here as well because... Thank God. We, when the whole Black Sabbath discussion began, it was because we wanted to talk about bands who had replaced their singers. Many bands. Many bands. But we got as far as one. We got. <laughs> we did one. We didn't even get that right or get to the end of it. You made a few mistakes, it's true. <laughs> one of the mistakes I you made, made yeah. was uh, we did admit, when we hastily said, well, then Ronnie Dio came back and uh, well, you, Ozzy Osbourne came I, back. I wanted to and explore that was the further. End of, that was the end of Black Sabbath. It wasn't quite because at one point... Either Ronnie or Ozzy had, I don't know, dropped a cross on their foot or something like that. No, I'll tell you what it was. It was dark. Um, Sharon wanted to get Sabbath back with Ozzy. Yeah. This is, what, 94? And, you know, there was more money on the table to do that than there was to continue with. Because they did the album Dehumanizer. Dehumanizer, yeah. Which I wasn't keen on, except there was one track called I... Yeah. As in, I am yeah. Ronnie James Dio. That, that appealed was, to you, didn't That it? was amazing. Yeah. Amazing! Yeah. Um, but they were going to do Costa Mesa, this huge outdoor, yeah. what they call a shed in America. It's an outdoor amphitheatre, 20,000 people or whatever. And Sharon it's not said... not I call a shed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if we do... My a, shed's quite small. It's yeah, quite if you full. do a tour of the UK the sheds... sheds. Yeah. You're but, not doing it's a bit like that thing you did with Francis Rossi. <laughs> <laughs> Which we will return to. We will. Now, um Sharon had the idea that the Dio Sabbath would come on, do a set, hooray, hooray, because they were, yeah. you know, fucking big. And then the curtains close, intermission, then when the curtains reopen, <gasps> it's the Aussie oh, Sabbath. Yeah, Ronnie would go for that. Oh, can you imagine so yeah. well you don't have to imagine. Um <laughs> Ronnie didn't go for that. And Tony would just be like, well, yeah, I was just standing there playing with Ronnie and then the curtain went back and Ozzy was there. I don't really know much more than that. I just played the guitar. No, uh, well, that's what he says in his book. Yeah, he's like, yeah. I don't know where Ronnie went. Yeah, I don't know. Ronnie was, who? One minute he was there and the next minute Ozzy was there. So I just I, I just started yeah. playing war picks. Nothing to do with me. Yeah, not... Not my gig. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I was here. Yeah. You know. uh, yeah. Yeah. Good man. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so Dio's like... Fuck that, and you can't blame him. I mean, fuck that, no, seriously. Fuck that, yeah. Um, but they'd gone ahead with the show anyway. <laughs> so, what they did was to truly delight the audience. The so, they were already delighting too much. They did the, we're going to do the Dio lineup with Vinny and Ronnie, but they got Rob Halford to do it. Okay. So they did this lineup of Sabbath that had never existed, yeah. nor would ever exist again. again yeah. And then, but great to see surprise. Her, but in my mind, it was sort of almost short notice, was it, or something? It was, you know. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was it's not short notice for Sharon and Ozzy. No, short notice for Ronnie. Short notice for Ronnie in the yeah. sense that she wanted Tony yeah. and Geezer to. Yeah. 
And they and they thought about it for almost a half a second. Yeah. And then and then Tony said, "Well, no, I looked round and Rob was there, <laughs> and he was singing, and it was it was great." <laughs> And of course, it was great. It was great. But yeah. let's close the door on that. There weren't any more singers, were there? We don't know about. We don't. We. At this point, we don't fucking. I tell you what, mate. We have forgotten a whole shitload of singers because Tony Iommi did eventually oh, he do did, his did, solo yeah, he album. Did. In the year 2000. Yeah, and they got all the... But there's no interest. And there were lo- a different singer on either. Yeah. Henry Rollins. Oh. That, was, that was a... I like you love Henry. Well, I like him as, a, as, as an interesting him. person, but yeah, let's be honest, he ain't a singer. And there was was it Ice T was on there as well. That well-renowned, yeah. world-renowned yeah. Dio copyist, Ice T. Yeah. Uh, can I just say on the subject of Henry Rollins, just to let the kids know, you same year I think ninety four. You once was ninety five. You once sent me to Paris. Did I? Yeah, to interview Henry Rollins. Did I? Specifically to ask him if he was gay. Did I? You Oh, did I? Yeah, I you did. I, I, I'm sure I did, but I don't... Why and I, I did ask him. Why would I have been bothered whether he was gay or not? Because you thought it would be a great story in Raw mm. magazine. <laughs> and you were one of those new wave of yeah, 90s yeah. editors that thought of the headline and then thought, well, we'll build a story yeah, around yeah, that. yeah. Yeah. Henry Rollins, I'm gay. Yeah. It's official. That was the story. I think you were you were I was looking for aiming for. Yeah, yeah. And so what, I ended up going to fucking. What did he say? I'll tell you what he said. I went to. Par- it was really embarrassing. I went to Paris. <laughs> I see this show. Oh, you were going to couch it. I mean, don't just come out with it. I began by saying, "This picture. That's John Houghton. <laughs> Here's his address. <laughs> he wants to know." No. What made it even more excruciating was it was at the gig in Paris and, um, and anybody that doesn't know Rollins, particularly a quarter Maybe. of a century ago, yeah. fucking beast. I mean, yeah. muscly, we'd work out yeah, two or three times a day. Yeah, yeah. Very aggressive, full-on music. One of his favourite songs. I'm sure I sent you out there to do a workout with him. I'm <laughs> sure that's what it was. You said strip yeah. to the waist. Get, work out with him, see what he's like. No, you said ask him. You can ask see, him anything uh, you want. Said, you want as long as you pre- ask him if he's gay. I said, use these precise words. How much do you bench? <laughs> I should have done. Yeah. Went, see, now that would have been a good question. Yeah. And then when he told me, I could have gone yeah. poof. <laughs> so you are gay. <laughs> you should see me bench. This is just terrible. So have- I go to Paris, okay, and for some reason, I guess because it's weird building where you've only got so many rooms i don't know but as i'm interviewing him the tour manager decides he's going to come and sit in with us and, and work on his laptop and do whatever yeah, his tour yeah. managers do before a gig and i thought i can't ask henry if he's gay mm. with the tour manager in the room so i ha- first of all i had to be um my more feminine side and say to this would you mind if we just on our own and he was like okay you're right with that henry he's like yeah sure sure yeah what could possibly go wrong, you know? So the guy leaves. And I said, so, Henry, um, I don't know these were the actuality in terms of the words, but so many words, I said, so, Henry, uh, you must be aware you have a very large gay following. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, you know, are you gay? I mean, have you ever been gay? Or And do you know what? I... I, I met him a few times i've been to dinner with him he was a very close friend of ross halfins 
So I'd been to dinner. Uh, I, I went to dinner with them, and of course, neither of them were drinking. Yeah. And I was boozing my head off. And I knocked over a glass of wine, and it went everywhere. And I was like, oh, who brought the cunt? Yeah, the, yeah. The, the, uh, what is it? You don't say that word, John. Um, and anyway, so I'm like, a gay folly, are, are, are you gay? You know. And he burst into the biggest smile. And I swear to God, for about 10 seconds, he went completely girly on me. Henry he literally Rod was giggly. Yeah. Giggly. Henry Rollins. Did he, st he start singing Judy Garland songs? <laughs> uh, and he said, no, I'm not gay. Yeah. Which is, yeah. Which is fair enough. But I remember telling you that and you going, yes, he is. <laughs> yes, he is. Can I say at this point, this whole story... To me, he seems to be a figment of someone's imagination. It's so fucking isn't. I'm, that was the worst interview. Not the worst. I've done too many worst <laughs> yeah. interviews, but I'm doing a book called The Worst Interview yeah, I Ever worst Done. Worst of Nick Wall. <laughs> Get it's it today. A, and it's a two-volume. Yeah. It's a two-volume. Yeah. Collect the set. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so that, that made uh, an so interesting So what did moment. this have to do with Black Sabbath? Because I was going to segue in saying Judas Priest, who did replace Rob Howe. Because Tony Iommi did a solo oh, album. yes, that's right. Yeah. And he had a... Sh and Rollins, Rollins was a was huge on, Sabbath. Yeah. It is still a huge... Yeah, huge, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, loads of people were. Do you think yeah. Henry would have made a good singer in Sabbath? No. Is <laughs> the, the short answer. Why? Well, I just can't see him doing either Children of the Sea. Or... Headless cross. Yeah. Or cross purposes. Just should the, the cat, should see, the cat you know, cross You know the only I can see him doing? Zero the hero. Ooh. I can see him doing that. I like that one, though. Zero! Yeah, that's the one, yeah. Because <laughs> Gillen may write lyrics, yeah, he just doesn't just sing doesn't them. sing them, yeah. No. Yeah, so... Judas but Priest. Judas, on that subject, Rob Halford, of course, Judas Priest famously also had... Well, they replaced Rob Halford and they replaced him in, at the time, seemed to be a very modern way, which was by getting hold of the singer in a Judas Priest tribute band. And the singer's name was The Ripper. <laughs> <laughs> I have the to ripper. tell you. The ripper, uh, they, they, these were more enlightened times, listeners. You could then I get away. To, I have to say, uh, when I heard that the new singer was going to be The Ripper, <laughs> even at the time I thought that may be just a it, tad it too far. Too far. Yeah. But then um, there was an earlier guy, allegedly. Mm. I don't know if this is true. I read it in something you wrote once. Um, that uh, Before The Ripper, they had another guy lined up, <laughs> and, but he was the rapist. <laughs> <laughs> Living after midnight, following yeah. you home. <laughs> oh, comes an alley. They had that. They the priest had a song called "The Ripper." Oh, I think you say that yeah. one called "The Rapist." No, they, not, don't come out with quite, this shit. No, no, no. They had a song called "The Ripper," and it and it, it, it opened with the lines. Well, I mean, I'm going to do it like Robin, but it went. You're in for a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> God, You're in for a shock. That's how it started. It was called The Ripper. 
You just can't do something. Oh, like so that. maybe London the... town streets are something, something, something. And don't turn your back, I'll attack. <laughs> That's how it went. I'm not making this up like the fucking Henry Rollins story. This is true. i got to say, Rob Halford's book, which is the greatest yeah, heavy metal greatest memoir book. of all time. It's the, it's the inverse of the Tony Iommi book. It is. Yeah. Where the Tony Iommi, I, Iommi book is kind of like a, it's like his story in the haiku. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously he was in the yeah, band, yeah, then yeah. Ronnie. Yeah, then Ronnie. <laughs> and then some other blokes. Yeah. Rob's is the, is, 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 it's, it's like the, a Fellini movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's like a, it's like a Botticelli painting. Mm. No, not Botticelli. Who wrote, who, what was he? Michelangelo. No, no, painted the demons and, you know. Oh, Bosch. 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 Before he got into uh, sound systems. Yeah. So <laughs> painter. Yeah. yeah, that guy. And I think maybe Rob may have written that song, The Ripper, yeah. during his... Hieronymus Bosch. Phase. Hieronymus Bosch. Phase. Maybe, yeah. But then, ironically, they get a guy who calls himself the Ripper. But maybe he called himself the Ripper because after the, the priest yeah, track. So we don't know. We don't know. Research. We don't know that. We don't know whether it was before or after. We don't. I'm pretty sure I met the Ripper. Um, <laughs> no, recently, uh, I was in LA in February 20, 2020. You know, back well, in the, the days, the Ripper's of people... real name was Tim, wasn't it? The yes, Ripper's Tim Ripper Owens. Ripper Owens. Tim Ripper Owens. I love how it was Tim Ripper. Yeah, Tim Owens. the Ripper Owens. Yeah. I met him. Yeah. I'm going to say Feb 2020 in LA, but the truth is, I don't know when it was. Yeah. Um, and he was a really nice guy. Yeah, he's yeah. a big, big fucking guy yeah. too. So if I were you, I would stop making fun I'm of not him. Not making John. fun of the Ripper. No, I was the one not he, making fun. They, you were the one making fun. It was fun. to the point where was there not a film made about the Ripper? There, there was a, a Hollywood movie. Yeah. And they didn't call the band Priest, but it was about a guy who was in a tribute band yes. who, who got the gig in the actual band. Yes, and wasn't Jason Bonham in that film? He might have been in it. Yeah. There were a few of those that yeah, were on the yeah, scene yeah. in those days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jason was, funnily enough, the drummer. Yeah. Um, Typecast again. <laughs> and the other guys were like, you know, former me- guys that had been in Sabbath for two well, minutes no, or Kiss people, or something. It, yeah, yeah, it was. It was all those like, not round in LA who ended up being in Steel Panther or whatever. Jason yeah. was like the most famous by a mile, but yeah. then there was The Rip. Is it The or just well, he's Ripper? he's Ripper or The Ripper. I think the song is The Ripper and he's just Ripper. Ah. Oh, no. That's an enormously feminine... Um, Phone uh, tone you've got there, John. It really is. Sorry. I'm Are you to... identifying as they? Uh, <laughs> no, it's just, uh, it's the one that comes with the phone. I mean, what do you do about it? What do you want me to have? The Ripper as my... Why not? As my, that's as a my... bloody good... Now, that's a good idea. So, shall we get back to the podcast, yeah, John? Get, is that an inv- vitally the, important... the podcast. Mercilessly yeah. important call you've got there. It... Anyway, the Ripper came in. It didn't really work out. And Rob came back, and by God, I saw them not long after that, and they were as brilliant as ever, possibly yeah. more brilliant. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't in it for long, was he? He wasn't no. in it for long. No. He was... Uh, no. He, he was an interregnum no. when... Ro- I mean, Rob had initiated the split, I think, because it was when he went off and did Fight and Two and all of that stuff, whatever it was he did, you know. Um, so he'd initiated that 
departure. And then I think they cleared the way for him to come back, which was always going to happen. But the Ripper, in fi- oh, I keep calling him the Ripper, sorry, Ripper. <laughs> Ripper, it makes me think now of, of uh, Gripper Stebson in Grange Hill as well. It makes Gripper. me think of Spinal Tap. It is a bit Spinal but the Ripper, uh, nonetheless, that, that nonetheless musical, had his... That, that rock opera you've been working on all yeah, these years. Yeah. <laughs> Saucy yeah, Jack. Saucy Jack, Saucy Jack. That's such a good line. It's one of those throwaway <laughs> lines, you know, Saucy Jack. One of my favourite lines that movie was, yeah, they were still booing him when we came yeah. on. Yeah. I've got to tell my like, all-time favourite line in that is, uh, and it's a real throwaway, and I'd seen the film so many times before I even heard him say it. It's when they're at the Air Force base and they're, with the, they're being shown around by the captain, you know, and the captain goes, oh, you know, my hair's getting a bit shaggy, about, you know, confusing with Vanderbilt. And he goes... Uh, he goes, well, it's, uh, it's 1845 hours and we'd like the band on stage about uh, 20 hundred hours. You know? And Derek Smalls very quietly at the back goes, goes so that's what, 50 hours? <laughs> <laughs> and it's just this stupid throwaway line. And the other thing, just let me tell you, I went to LA to interview Spinal Tap once and they turned up in character. And Michael McKean, who plays... Um, uh, the blonde guy. Yeah, um, Oh, sorry, it's gone out in Davidson Hubbins, um, who has then gone on and is now in Better Call Saul and is fantastic. Right, yeah, 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 absolutely. But he said the funniest thing I've ever seen anyone improvise off the top of their head, he was just doing, they just do all this stuff in character and they genuinely do make it up as they go along. Unlike and, us. And he, he was saying something about like, they'd, they'd all, yeah, the time they'd been in this, Spinal Tap had been in this lull, but then they all went and got rejuvenated and had plastic surgery and this sort of stuff. And he goes, uh, oh, yeah, he goes, I had my teeth turned. <laughs> he goes, yeah, they, they, uh, they turned them around. <laughs> so that, so that you could see the backs, which were still white. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's so good. It's so kind of perfectly L.A., isn't it? You could imagine someone would have that done, you know. It's, well, they're very funny. I think Ripper was a trendsetter because yeah. not long after... And it is an amazing story. Guy from tribute band joins actual band, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But Journey went and did exactly, oh, they almost did. exactly the they same did. thing. So Steve Perry, uh, just a real quick plot summation. Steve leaves the band. Yeah. Band essentially break up because they can't work without Steve. This is the late 80s, because early Because Perry's 90s. got such a, a unique, almost a unique voice, hasn't he? He has, but then, you know, so did Ozzy, so did Deer. The thing is, the thing it, is, well, the thing is... Yep. <laughs> they, they just waited for him to come back and, and yeah. eventually in 95, through John Kolodna, John Kolodna, who was the king of getting back mm, the classic, mm. before... before um, Rick Rubin started doing it. He got them back together. He got Kevin Shirley to produce the album. Was it Arrival in like 95? Yeah, yeah. And it was right. a hit. I mean, yeah. they had a hit single yeah, yeah. and platinum album. But the tour never happened because Steve Perry, you know, he had oh, to I think a... I think that was when he's, I think he's, um, because I'm I'm thinking now to a couple of interviews I did with him, but I think he was, if I remember rightly, he he's, it was either his parents or his grandmother had just died. He was having a really bad time personally and he just, I think he just couldn't face it 
basically. He's a sort of sensitive guy, and it just... It yeah, there was... A, there were... It reminded there were pers- me... There were genuine personal issues It reminded it. me of the pilot episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, where Larry David's about to do an HBO uh, stand-up special. Yeah. Did you ever see the pilot? Yeah, I think I have, yeah. And they, they show him the design and he, of the set. And and he, yes. Yeah. And that's when he... Oh, yeah, that's fantastic. It's got a and that's picture what, of him or something. Yeah, 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 and that's when he craps out yeah. and invents this story. Yeah about this sick uncle who he's loved, loved so much, he's dying yeah. and he has to go and see him. It reminds me of one of those, yeah. you know. Yeah. There was a story told, yeah. but basically he just fucking went, you know what, I'm not doing this. Yeah, yeah. So they had to cancel the whole tour. Anyway, after that, there were... Um, oh, Rob... Uh, have you got your phone on? <laughs> Rob... Not Fisher, Fleischman. Oh, Rob yeah, Fleischman. Robert Fleischman. Yeah, yeah. No, no. He was the singer way before that, wasn't he? No, oh. no, no. Um, he comes in yeah. because by now they've got the Arrival album, and you know the, there's tours if they want to do them. There's tours if they want to do them, and yeah. money to be made. And so they bring Robert Fleischman in, but it doesn't quite work out he, right. he ends up writing a couple of songs with them which end up okay. on one of those oh yeah best then, yeah, comp- yeah, box yeah. set things yeah. years later but it, it gets messy but then one day literally sitting at home um on the internet neil sean the guitarist finds a clip on youtube of this journey tribute act um from down mm. in South America. Right. Yeah, I don't know what they're called. You're gesturing me like... No, no, the country. It was oh, uh... <laughs> a South American country. Argentina, Colombia, Brazil, Peru, Paraguay, uh, Ecuador, uh, Chile. One of, one Chile. Of... I'm going to say Chile. Do a Google. Go on. I'll, I'll fill in for you. You I don't feel? Th- no, it'll be seamless. People won't know that you're okay. Googling at this point. But um, Arnell. Yes. That's how he finds Arnell. Yes. You're going to give us the year and the guy's full name and all that stuff. Arnel Pineda. There you go. That's the guy's name. Now, here is a guy who sounded exactly. Where do you think he's from again? Uh, Is it like, not the Philippines? It is the Philippines. Oh, it is the Philippines. I don't know if you've been to the Philippines. (laughs) No, what part of South America are the Philippines in? (laughs) Are they sort of south-south? Yeah, they, they are quite a long... You know, they, <laughs> yeah. They're, um, in that ballpark. Are they in that ballpark? If you look at a map, you sort of go, well, there's the Philippines yeah, and there's they, South they're America. South America. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, if it's a small <laughs> map. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. No? Or okay. alphabetical order. It's quite close to Paraguay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, they... <laughs> alphabet... Yeah, you see? Yeah. yeah. So, so, um, so Arna, anyway, Arna, he's looking on the internet. He finds this... Journey he's looking, tribute. He's looking on the internet for singers. That's what I was doing. Yeah, I typed in ladyboys. I typed in Philippines. What do you look at? Philippines. L A D Y B. Oh, oh, what's this? Don't stop <laughs> believing. believing. And then he whipped his shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and here is this guy. There's Neil Arnel, Ping Pong Balls. Arnel Pineda. And by God, he doesn't just sound like Steve Perry. He sounds like Steve Perry at his height in yeah, the 80s. Yeah. And uh, literally, like, sends an email or... 
I think he rings one of the guys, other guys, and I said, let's check out this. And they're all on the phone watching this video yeah. on YouTube. And, uh, and long story short, that's how Arnell yeah, ends up. Because what I was going to say is when you were talking originally about replacing Perry, is, you know, with all due respect to most rock singers, I, I mean, pick Aussie as an example. Most good rock singers could competently sing Black Sabbath songs. Could they? Um, well, no, I mean, you know, I'm not saying they'd be amazing, but they would be competent. Whereas I think Perry's harder to do because he's a much higher register. He's got a, you know, a great voice, but also quite an unusual voice to copy. You know, it's not as easy to copy as some. Yeah, no, I, I'll go with you on that. At the same time, that whole kind of melodic rock singer thing is fairly generic at that point. I mean, the bloke who in Survivor, you know, the yeah, bloke Jimmy in... Jameson, yeah, but I mean, he could kind of sound like Perry, but it's, you know, it's it's a difficult one to really get right, I think. Well, but anyway, you know, anyway I, I, I will concede but, the but, point, but, the, but I don't but think the point, that was but really... the point is, this guy from uh, the Philippines, yeah. he... He's like nails the, it. He's like the nails incarnation. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as you were about to say, he not only sounds like Perry, he looks like Perry. Well, Vague, yeah, generically. Yeah, because yeah, Perry's straight got that black slightly... hair, straight black hair. You know, kind of groovy guy. You know, all that stuff. Yeah, I'll go with that. And of course, yeah. I think Perry's family were Portuguese. I think something like that. Yeah, yeah, probably. Oh, I'm, P, it's all the P, you know, Philippines, <laughs> Portugal, Paraguay, somewhere around there. In there, Peterborough. Somewhere around it's there. all there. Perth. You know. Yeah, yeah. All those not, guys. Not, see, at this point, you're taking a lot of P's, aren't you? No, 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 no. You carry on. <laughs> you keep digging, my friend. <laughs> so Arnell comes in, voice of a Steve Perry incarnate yeah. angel. Yeah. They do an album. I think it's a moderate success. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you've got to put yourself in Arnell's position. You're on YouTube singing Journey songs. All of a sudden, Journey phone you up, go, fancy being in the band? That's got to be a bit of a head fuck. I mean, it has, wow, it? you know. And also an odd power dynamic, which always happens with really, you know, when really established bands replace their singer with someone younger. That power dynamic never quite works does it it reminds me of when fleetwood mac for one tour in the i want to say 90s but it may have been late 80s stevie nicks didn't want to do it anymore and they brought in this tall blonde beautiful looking woman yeah who was yeah but didn't really... I don't know if she... Did she sing? I assume she sang. I don't remember her voice. Mm. But she's just kind of statuesque, blonde, yeah. sexy woman. And uh, it just didn't work. Yeah. It, well, not because she didn't yeah. look good. She looked great. But it, it just but didn't it's, work. It's a complicated dynamic because, you know, the singer is the... Uh, state the obvious, the front person of the band, the representation of the band. It's often down to them to carry the show. They're the ones making the announcements generally. All of those things to be, you know, essentially a guy who's been in a, a, a tribute band. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're out there in front of the crowd who's come to see them, not you, really. And you're so, oh, you know, and here's here's one I didn't write called "Don't Stop Believing." And but what I think is, was extra tricky, say for Arnell, <clears throat> is that um, I mean, like Ozzy to Dio. There's in terms of singers, no comparison. I mean, Ozzy mm. was. Uh, to me, more of what you'd call a, vocal, a rock vocalist than a singer per yeah. se, in the yeah. same way that 
uh, Lou Reed or Iggy Pop, or you know, they're, they're great voc- rock vocalists, but you wouldn't get them into sing uh, no. uh, Silent Night, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, Arnell sounded exactly like Perry, was arguably even better than Perry would have been had he been on the stage that mm. same night because he's older, yeah, his voice isn't changed, what it was when he was in his yeah, yeah. 20s. Um, so, okay, not only have they come to see the band and not you, when they are looking at you, because your vocal impersonation is so spot on, they're actually not even hearing you. They're yeah, hearing they're, Steve, Steve yeah, Perry. Yeah, they're hearing and Steve. And it's all yeah. about how closely you can sound to someone else. Yeah. So you got nothing yeah. apart from a lot of money yeah. not to be sneezed at. Yeah. I mean, what would you choose, John? A lot of money, a lot of a lot money, money or, or YouTube, or, or no, no, a lot of money, or um, credibility. Well, I, I, <laughs> I mean, right I now you haven't got either. No, that's but right. If, so, if you could so, choose, I mean, either would be fine. <laughs> no, but if you had to choose, if I had to choose, it's a hard choice, isn't it? Because in the end, you'd probably choose the money if you were being honest. I wouldn't even say probably. Yeah, no. If you're you looking would, at me yeah. right now, just yeah, look at just think could, yeah, of money. Because, yeah, you just you would you would t- you would take. But the other odd thing about being a journey is they're all mad. <laughs> well, that's a, yeah, well, that's a di- uh, yeah. we have to they're do. We're going to. We are planning nuts. an episode, aren't we? Yeah. Called Ma- the Mad Kings yeah, of Rock. Yeah, and I mean, Mad Kings and Queens yeah, of Rock. I mean, look at you know, you only need to see. Uh, we're 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 recording ahead of time. Uh, on the day that Donald Trump departs. Well, this is actually inauguration yeah. in, day inauguration in the US. Day. And departing with Donald Trump is his spiritual advisor, uh, the Paula White, or whatever her name is. Oh, yeah. Who's married to Jonathan Cain yeah. from Journey. Yeah. And he, he has gone, he appears behind her when she's on stage ranting about yeah. the Bible. In real life. He, I mean, he looks like a magician's assistant. He's dressed up like... David Copperfield, you know. Yeah, and, and in real life, uh, I, I saw, I had a bit of business to do with a journey-related business a couple of years ago, and I was in uh, L.A. to see them when they did the forum with Def Leppard. Yeah. They had two nights, and we're all staying at the same place, and uh, Jonathan and Paula were walking around the Sunset Marquee, inevitably, <laughs> and he looked as if he was on some heavy-duty <laughs> tranquilizer. <laughs> And she looked like just she was guiding just, his yeah, spirit. Yeah. Just get me through the day. Get me through. He was like his head was down yeah, like this. Yeah. But she definitely looked like some kind maybe of she's spirit gonna, guide. Maybe she's going to do that thing. You know when they do the tongues, they go <laughs> <laughs> touch you on the head, and you go wow. And he fucking goes out there. No, you mean because he wrote. I mean, I remember Perry telling me the stories. Of when, because oh, the magic in Journey, you know, Journey had been a kind of wiggy Santana style jazz rock outfit for a few years. Yeah. Were even that when Steve Perry was first in the band, although they were edging towards mm. more commercial stuff, the real magic happened when Jonathan Kane turned up. And Perry told me the story of, of writing with Jonathan Kane. And I think on the virtually on the same day, They'd written open arms and don't stop believing. You know, Amazing. it was just the magic was sort of instantly there. And I think Sean, to his credit, had also had half written don't stop believing. They couldn't quite nail it. 
Yeah, they've been. Uh, yeah, I think there was and, some and, lyrics and yeah, and <coughs> Kane sort of tied it all together with the keyboard line and. But do you know what Sean told me about that song? And you'll 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 like this because it involves one of your all-time favourite groups. He said that Kane was at the piano, and what he was playing, you know, having their coffee. Yeah, or their yeah, yeah, yeah. He was playing the chords to "Let It Be" by the Beatles. Oh, really? Dong. One of the one of the most <laughs> songs ever recorded. Dun, 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 dun. No, it's it's that, some of the worst dun, advice you no, could the, ever. No, the intro to. to "Let It Be." How's it go? Dun, dun, dun. I don't know. Yes, you do. I know. Dun, I want to see you find yourself in, in times, times of trouble. Mother Mary yeah. comes to me, speaking words of wisdom. Let it be. So John's. Is that dun, really dun, good dun, advice? Dun, 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 There's a guy dun, coming dun. towards you with a gun. <laughs> let it be. Let it be. No. Well, that was John Lennon's. That's how he. Uh, not, that was his let, big mistake. Let, let's not go there. Let's not Chapman go. comes along. <laughs> and go, Lennon sees a gun. I apologise in advance. Let for it this. be. <laughs> let, <laughs> See, we apologise for that section. Anyway. Get back to it. So he's playing, and they go. So don't stop believing. By one of your all-time favorite groups, Journey was yeah. based on "Let It Be" by your yeah. other all-time favorite group, the Beatles. Yeah. You're yeah. a well-known Beatles I am a expert. Big fan of the Beatles. Love their stuff. Love your stuff, lads. Keep it coming. Double thumbs up. <laughs> right. So to get back to singers, Arnell, he's on a cross. I mean, here he is playing headless to the cross. biggest... That's what a head... See, that's what, what a headless, headless cross ah, is. Ah, we've solved it at last. He's playing to the biggest audiences in America. He's in one of the all-time... Because uh, they, whenever they do their shows now, Sean was telling me, they call it the Dirty Dozen. They've got 12 huge hits yeah. in America. He goes, we go out, we play the Dirty Dozen, yeah, imagine, thank you, good imagine night. Imagine having 12. It's amazing, isn't it, you know? Imagine doing the same 12 every yeah, night. Yeah, but you do, you do. But you do yeah. I suppose you just have to go back to your dressing room and go, one million, yeah, yeah. two million, yeah. three, three million, million. Yeah. and just keep going. Yeah. But here's the thing with Arnell. So he's in this tough spot where he's an amazing singer. He really does do the job well. I watched mm. those two shows in LA, one from the crowd, one from the side, and just I just watched him all night. And that boy works. That man... It fucking brings it. He really does. You can't imagine even the real Steve Perry, because uh, in terms of the way he gets the crowd going, he's yeah. a real ringmaster. I don't think Perry ever did that. He was too too See, was authentic that, that, and cool. Do you think that was subconscious there, calling him the ringmaster? Because do you remember when Journey used to start the show with the ringmaster's jacket coming out? Oh, I'd forgotten that. Yeah. Well, obviously well, not. It was, obviously it was in my subconscious. Yeah. But here's the thing with Arnell is... So they haven't bought a ticket to see Arnell. They bought a ticket to see Journey. They haven't bought a ticket to see Journey with their new album. They bought a ticket to see the journey of their memory in the 80s. And here's a guy that gives that to you as a singer. Yeah. But what you don't come to see him for and what he can apparently not give you is anything new or that is him. Yeah, like with Mike Yarwood, the famous UK, oh, yeah. at the end of his show, he'd go, and now yeah, the real me. I thought that was a real reflection of his, the, 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 you know, his impersonation, the fact that he had to tell you it was now him. Well, can you imagine at the end of the show, Varnell came out and, and the acoustic guitar goes, and this, this is, is me. me. Yeah, oh, yeah. Ah! Yeah, it's like this is the, you know, 
and here's one here's one from our new album oh all the toilets are full I the people... the, uh, that jogs my memory very so i'll tell you this really quickly and we'll, we'll segue into the next one will we I, I found this i was like loading up some old books in my office i found this collection of martin amos books and uh which I sort of leave through. And they're one of his collections of journalism, tremendous journalist, you know, they'd sent him off to see the Rolling Stones at Earl's Court. And I reread this and it was achingly funny <laughs> reading him going to see the... And he, he said, uh, um, at one point, Mick Jagger falls over and you can't tell whether it's intentional or not. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, he's not so much dancing, so much as his arms, his legs, his head and his buttocks are all moving independently very quickly, which is a great description of Mick Jagger. Can, it, it? it summons it, him up. But he does this bit, he goes, where he, he goes, we're in the cavernous cells court. You know, he's taken this, Amos has taken this girl on a, on a date to see, and they're both hating it. He goes, and the worst moment comes when um, when uh, Mick Jagger uh, announces, here are some from our new album. <laughs> and, they're, and they're met by complete silence, you know. But then I looked at the date, and the date of this was 1976. Really? And in reflection, I think they'd just done, um, I can't remember what album it was. It was a big album. Some Girls? Yeah, it was Emotional like, Rescue? Yeah, it was, yeah, was something like... It was black what and we, Blue? It was, what we, it was Black and Blue, I think. It was what we would look back on now as, as a, a classic yeah, yeah, era stone. Yeah. And yet there was someone who at the time going, God, these guys are past it. You know, <laughs> and it's remarkable just to think they're still, you know, as you say, one million, two million, three, but they're still doing the same songs, you know. So back to our oh, now. <laughs> He does an album with them. It's modest success, but it, it, it goes some way to establishing the fact that Journey, there's a new mm. kid in town, they've got the singer. Um, and then uh, someone that worked on the production team, I'll say no names, um, the next album, apparently Arnell had been back in the Philippines for a few months. Kevin you know, Shirley. <coughs> no, 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 yes, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> And he said um, he'd been down in the Philippines for so long and he hadn't been singing with Journey for so long that he, his English had deteriorated. <laughs> and in the studio, it was driving this particular producer mental. He said because he kept rolling his R's. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and it just was, it was ruining kind of the... the if, can you imagine if you're producing the whole thing and the yeah. vocal goes in here? Yeah. And it was all kind of, you know, I, I love you all. <laughs> Baby, you love me too. <laughs> I love you. I love you long time, baby. <laughs> I don't know if that was one of the songs no, they didn't. I, I, they they no, left off the album. <laughs> I love you wrong time. I think they left. That was either the single or the B side. I can't remember. <laughs> but anyway, bless his heart. It was such an irritation. This particular. Yeah. Studio Wizard walked out. Well, yeah. But, hey, I saw them two years ago, and that man brings Oh, it. he really brings And he's... And they, in, in, Even better yeah, than the real he, thing, he's except probably, he can't write. He's probably been in Journey for almost as long as Perry was in it now anyway. Probably yeah. more at yeah. this point. Yeah. We, but, no, you go on. No, I was going to mention... your finger, you... I did, because I had... I'm going to go on to the next really, really good one which I've now forgotten. Oh, okay. So you well, carry on. Well, I was gonna, well, my next really, really good one was an odd one where you kind of, um, it, it's a bit taking the young blade to replace the old war horse and it not really working out. Maiden? Iron Maiden, yes. Right. 
Yes. We say young blade. Is that a sort of deliberate linguistic pun on blade? Maybe it was subconscious. Blade. Yes. Like your ring. Blade. Yeah. Yeah. Because I remember the whole drama of it. You know, Bruce had, had sort of flounced out for whatever reason or been kicked out or whatever it was. But Bruce himself was only a replacement. Well, yeah, yeah, for, for Diano, the unpleasant so, Paul Diano. Well, let's begin with him because he recorded the first two Maiden albums. He did, oh, yeah, which you know, to, to, the, to this love day, to drone on about. Oh, Killers is the best one. Mm. To, to, to this day, um, they're on, I say to this day, I haven't seen them for years, <laughs> but I imagine for this day they still do Running Free in, as an in encore. In my head, they still play those songs. Well, Used to do running free yeah, as one of, back in the early eighties. Running... They used to play it, and that was Paul Diano's. Yeah, uh, yeah. except he would say, "I'm running free, yeah, I'm running free." Well, Bruce came in, "I'm running free." <laughs> exactly like that, yeah, which was better. <laughs> it was, it was. People go on about Diano, but you know, no. Nah. I'll tell you an interesting They're story about Paul Diano. Oh, well, there's lots of those. His, well, there are lots of those, mm. but there's a reason they got rid of him, and this we need to. This is we need to yeah, go, 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 get, go, go. Uh, Diano, Paul Diano, is in terms of their recording career, is the original singer of Iron Maiden. I'm sure there were geezers before him, but he's the main, the original main man. And the first album, big success in Britain, went straight in the charts at number four. In the days when going in the yeah. charts actually meant something. It meant people had actually gone to a shop and bought your record as opposed to just fucking listening to three seconds of it on your phone and going, yeah, whatever, <laughs> swipe. Yeah. Um, and that's counted as a stream. Yeah. Oh, I got a million... Who, who is in the paper like yesterday? Or Oh, I, I got a million streams on yeah. Spotify, but I only got paid £37. Yeah, pounds. yeah off you go down. What the, the fuck's a million right? streams? Yeah. Some twat looked at it for three seconds and went, oh, I hate that. That's counted as a stream. Doesn't mean yeah. sh- if you've got a hundred million streams, okay. Yeah, give the boy get yeah. a, get your roll out and throw the boy a few yeah. notes. Yeah. Million? Nah. Right, my ass on there. I listen to I listen to my favourite albums at least a million a times. A million times. And that's proper listening. Yeah. Proper listening. Yeah. Anyway. So rant over. Um Second album comes out. Oh, it's the first album, number four, yeah. front cover of magazines. Yeah. Second album, Killers, is expected to do even better. But it doesn't. Yeah. And to this, I say to this day, I haven't spoken to them for years. To the, to the day I last spoke to them. So when they were still playing Running Free. <laughs> <laughs> They're still doing it. Yeah, they are. The band. The band told me, because, because in those days the four music papers were everything, unless you were a pop group on top of the pops. If you're a rock band, albums, you had to get good reviews in the music papers. That's what sold your record. There's no Kerrang! yet or anything. Mm. NME wouldn't touch heavy metal. Melody Maker would touch it if you were Queen or Super Tramp or something like that. Record Mirror, no fucking chance. You've got to be Dollar or Bucks Fizz, you know. Yeah. Sounds magazine with Jeff Barton. There's your Iron Maiden cover. Jeff, who came up with New Wave of British. Um, But they gave it to one of their newer writers, a young female journalist. Uh, Maybe I shouldn't say her name. Um, But a young female journalist of the era who had a relationship with Paul Diano. Oh, okay. And I was told that one of the things 
they most enjoyed together. Because, you know, he used to wear those bullet belts, like a gun <laughs> belt with the bullets. Yeah. He used to take his belt off and he used to whip her with it. She used <laughs> to love it. Oh, Paul, harder. <laughs> no, while singing Running Free. I'm running free, yeah. I'm running. That's pretty good, actually. Yeah. yeah. So, um, literally the week before the press copies went out for Killers, he broke up with her. Oh, guess who reviewed the album? Oh, that's good revenge, though. Two stars. Yeah, right. Two stars. Stick that up your bullet belt. That would literally take away thirty thousand sales immediately in those days. And I'd love to love to have been there when Ari found out the reason. Well, funnily enough, Paul was sacked. Yes, yeah. I'm not saying that's the reason he was sacked. I'm just saying he never made another record with Iron Maiden. And so they got a replacement, Bruce. Bruce. Who was as in he was known. Thun- uh, as Samson. Samson, I was going to say Thunder, because I think it was Thunderstick, the famous masked drummer of Samson. Whose, whose bird was to die for. Yeah, well, that's because he had great looking under the mask. You never saw it. <laughs> he looked like Robert Redford. It was amazing. He Talk was kind of like an or... original ripper. Yeah, you are. He had one of those sort of wrestling... No, no, well, it was like an S&M leather mask. Yeah, yeah, it? yeah it was. Like a yeah. leather face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. What was he called in the group? Thundersticks. Yeah. Thundersticks. And he was in a cage. Was Was he? Yeah, it was great. In a cage? Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. But anyway, they get rid of Paul because he stopped fucking the reviewer that fucked the second album. Well, not because they didn't sack him because of that. That was the straw. At the same time. One of the many straws. Yeah. But I loved Diana as a singer. I thought he was really... That was in the days when you uh, made in a kind of like punk metal. Do you remember yeah, all that I shit? I do remember all that. And I, I just... I, I much prefer Bruce, I've got to say. No, oh, of course you do, love. Yeah. Of course you do. Yeah. So they bring in Bruce. Yeah. And that is a very successful replacement. more. Immediately, yeah, immediately. They, they regain that momentum they'd lost straight away. I mean, they had the hit single with Run to the Hills and straight away they're off, aren't they, you know? Yeah. And in America, yeah. and in America um, they get bigger. Number of the Beast yeah. is the first they get, album. Yeah, they get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then Bruce inevitably, as happens with all big bands, tensions arise. Someone leaves or someone tries to leave or they all decide to go on holiday for three years or whatever it is they decide to do. In this case, Bruce leaves. He does leave. I saw there was a clip on the telly the other day of... Um, uh, an old TV sh- music TV show in the UK from about 1990, and it had Bruce solo. But he's still in Maiden, but he'd yeah. done his first solo album, yeah. and he did a version of All the Young Dudes, oh. uh, and he released it as a single, and it got to like number 29 or something. Yeah. So he's on top of the pops. Yeah. But he looked like classic 80s Bruce with the long hair <laughs> and that kind of Bill Oddie's younger mental brother kind of persona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm very English and eccentric, yeah, yeah. and I I fence, and I'm a pilot, and yeah, yeah. oh, you know, and it was you know all the all the young the original is is all the young yeah. dudes. He's like all the young dudes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, yeah, because yeah. otherwise, why cover it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but no, you've touched on something there because Bruce was a Renaissance man in heavy he most certainly terms. was. You know, as you say, he could fence, he could fly planes, he wrote a novel. Which, Which I, I am partly slight, responsible for. Slightly insane. Lord Iffy Boat Race. Yeah, which was very much in the mode of a, a, long, yeah, a long forgotten writer now, Tom Sharp. But at the time was hugely popular to the point where one of the other odd 
Tom Sharp spin-offs was a novel by Ian Botham, the cricketer, who wrote a Tom Sharp-style novel. And it was just this kind of thing of uh, a, a satirical farce, an English farce, farce, in which you'd have a central character who was slightly heroic and would go off and would royster and doister and ridiculous things would happen to that. And that was the premise of Lord Iffy Boat Race. Tom Sharp was everybody's favourite author in Iron Maiden yeah. in the late 80s. And it's an odd thing that he's one of those guys who's just disappeared. I mean, his, his canon is rarely spoken of these days, and yet he sold huge... You know, he was like Douglas Adams or someone like yeah. that, who, oh, who no, you know, is still known and is still selling books, but yeah. Well, he was the kind of, isn't this the greatest writer of all time? Even I read a couple of his books based on Steve Harris going, read that, mm. you know. Um, and then I remember being in, funnily enough, LA, though not the Sunset Marquee, we're out in Long Beach, and uh, Bruce bangs on my hotel room door and starts telling me all about this novel he's working on. Would I like to read it? Yeah. <sighs> Fuck. There's one up from would you, would you Like to Listen to My Demo? Yeah. This is following on from the time he came round your house with an acoustic guitar <laughs> <laughs> to play you. The Huntsman the brum, came from the hills that, in the 14th yeah. century, missed. Brum, brum, brum. That, that one worked out so well, he decided to <laughs> float well, the, you his novel. Well, I think I did him a solid this time because that, that, that was somewhere in time, 86. Yeah. This was now Seventh Son. Yeah. But I did him a solid. I helped him get a deal with my own publisher. Oh. Right, okay. And they put out Lord Iffy Boat Race and there was a follow-up. Yeah. I forget what that was called. More old bollocks. Yeah. <laughs> more old Tom, sub-Tom yeah. Shot. Yeah. Bollocks. Tosh. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, 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 an associate of ours, a photographer, accurately summed up the plot. <laughs> of, uh, he, he, he sat next to me once and Bruce had been reading it to him on a plane. Of course he had. And uh, he said... Uh, Lord, if he did this, Lord, if he did that. That's <laughs> that was, it. That was his summary of the plot. That same uh, photographer associate of yeah. ours, I remember sitting with him in a sushi place in San Francisco with Kirk Hammett at the end of the Injustice for All tour, <laughs> uh, or towards the end. And this particular friend of ours said to Kirk, So, Kirk... Why have you stopped doing injustice for all? Is it because it's like injustice is this, injustice is that, injustice is fucking half an hour long? And Kurt goes, you pretty much got it, yeah. That's exactly why we stopped doing it. That's the thing about uh, our photographer Uh, associate. He just has that way of putting his thumb on the sore spot. He really does. Very much like Trump. Did we mention we're, we're also doing this on Inauguration Day? Yes. Um, and Trump, can I just say, I fucking, everything about Trump, for me, is repulsive, negative, awesome, yeah, yeah. Um, loathsome. Um, but he does, does or did have this incredible knack of nailing people. Yeah. Like Joe Biden, sleepy Joe. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I literally yeah. thought it hadn't Cro- been for crooked, Co- crooked Hillary. Crooked Hillary. Yeah. yeah. It's just that thing that sticks in your mind. And, and Steve you're... Bannon, after he got Steve Bannon out, wasn't it a s- sloppy Steve? Yeah, or something, it was something like that. But yeah, Because you're, he you're... always looks so disheveled. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And that, that is very much like the photographer, Charm of Art. When <laughs> Trump said sleepy Joe, mm. this is before COVID. When Trump said, uh, Trump said Sleepy Joe, I literally thought, that's it. Yeah. 
we're finished. Yeah, he's done him, yeah. He's yeah. done him. Yeah. Sleepy Joe. Yeah. He's got, you never lose that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You'll never lose that. And yeah. even to this day, whenever I see Biden, I do, he does yeah. kind of look sleepy to me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, so, you're right, and that's very much. It. But but so Bruce, so depa- Bruce, Bruce departs. I don't know whether he jumps or is pushed or whatever. They they, they and, as usual. And, and it's I think, uh, who I, you ask? Yeah, I think it was one of those things where I'm, I'm just trying to remember the sequence of it. But it had been brewing because there had long been speculation about were Bruce to leave Iron Maiden, and probably because he'd done the solo album, you know. Were Bruce to leave? People on the inside knew. Yeah. Who would be the replacement? And there were always names thrown around. And there was always, I think, the notion that Blaze Bailey would be in the pot because he was British and Harry wanted someone British. And And he he, he, he slightly, he looked like he could have been a relative of... Bruce a bit, yeah, yeah. He looked like he could have been from the, from the, the north. Yeah. Well, it was from Tamworth, obviously. But, but sort of a distant relative, but yeah. re- remarkably yeah. lookalike. I mean, he looked great. Bailey looked great back in the day, and and they did a Wolfsbane. Where I, you know, I really I liked Wolfsbane. Wolfsbane. Yeah. They were a fantastic group, yeah. brilliant fun. I remember thinking, great people. I remember thinking, Blaze was an inspired choice. He was. He was because he was a fantastic front man. He would run around, yeah, yeah, just yeah. like uh, yeah. Bruce Dickinson yeah. used to. But he just had the crowd. He was one of those guys who had the charisma to get hold of a crowd and take them where he wanted them to go. That's what he was really brilliant at. But he didn't bring that to Iron Maiden. And the reason for that, I believe, is... This is, again, something I was told and things I observed, because I was, again, working with them a lot in those days. Um, <clears throat> in Wolfsbane, he charged... He was like David Lee Roth. Yeah, or, he was, or, yeah. Or yeah. Charge around all about the well, crowd. They were, they were sort of generally quite Van Halen-like. They really were. Yeah. Big party band, yeah, but, but yeah. good... Good, good songs. Oh, great guitarist. Jace was a great guitarist, yeah. yeah. But um, in Iron Maiden, Blaze didn't do that. He pretty much stood at the mic and sang. And what I was told, it was because um, it was so hard for him to sing the songs from the Bruce Dickinson yeah, era. Yeah, Because Bruce Dickinson, love him, hate him, Iron Maiden, doesn't matter. The man can sing. I mean, he's, he's quite famous for singing mm. off-key and flat, yeah. but then all singers. Yeah. Tell that yeah. to all the other singers. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, live, I mean, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, but Blaze wasn't. I mean, Blaze was more... Oz- Blaze, it, it's like Blaze was Ozzy, or D- Blaze, was Blaze was David, David Lee Roth, Roth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, Bruce was Ronnie James yeah. Dio in yeah. terms of vocal That's powers. right, yeah. And, and, and Jace in Wolfsbane was a good enough guitarist to write around Blaze. You know, the, the Wolfsbane songs really suited... They did, yeah. ..the way Blaze... But, it, I mean, we, we knew Wolfsbane reasonably well. They were always about... They were really good people. They'd had their ups and downs. They were signed by Rick Rubin for Deaf American. They were going to be big. They really looked like they were going to make it. They came back. They made a great EP. Uh, All back to Cathy yeah, Little Cathy Wilson's Cathy, place, yeah. yeah. Um, which was fantastic. And really, the album they, they should have made. They made another album after that. And I remember going to the pub with them, the old coffee house, which is, you know, when we had the office in Carnaby Street and the old coffee house. Oh, yeah, pub yeah, yeah, yeah. Pub was around the corner. And Blaze, you know, they, they were really, they were quite low, at a low point then and Blaze was describing the kind of music they were going to make. And he was, he was, you know, usually he was at a kind of good humour company. He was very, he's going, it's going to be dark. It's going to be this. And he had like real conviction in his eyes. And then 
can't have been long after that the other the other three Jeff and Jason and Steve Danger came in and Blaze had decided to join Iron Maiden and they were devastated they were devastated and it was a bit like um when you were joking around earlier and saying do you want the credibility or do you want the money I'm not saying Blaze jumped purely for the money though I'm sure that was a concern and actually what the other three said was they had essentially had to say to him we can't stand in your way because this is a life-changing thing but I genuinely believe Blaze was torn down the middle about this and I think if there was a slight lack of conviction or whatever in what he was doing with Maiden, I think it was hugely freighted with guilt about what had happened with Wolfsbane. I think, um, that, I think that's true. I, I think adding to that as well, though, was the fact that in Wolfsbane, it's Blaze, it's Blaze, it's Blaze and those guys, it's their group. Yeah. As you say, they write yeah, around, around his voice. Yeah. He joins Maiden when, you know, at this point, they're over the hill, you know, commercially. They're still big, bigger than Wolfsbane ever were. Mm. But, um, uh, I mean, in this country, the last album with Bruce, Fear of the Dark, went to number one. But in America, their albums had started to really slide. Um, grunge had arrived. It was, a, it was a creaky moment for them. Um, but the point I'm trying to make is by then the whole Maiden sound, the Maiden, the Maiden franchise, the essence, the brand. Mm. If I say Eddie Van Halen, if I say Maiden, oh, you know, Steve Harris writes what Steve Harris writes. And I think Blaze, understandably, when if I'm going to be the singer in this group, I have to be the singer in this group, yeah. and I have to be that guy, plus sing all the hits from Bruce's day where all the best ones were made. And I and I I think coming from the eighties, don't forget the eighties was so me first, Reagan, Thatcher. You're an idiot if you don't chase the money. It was a career opportunity. I think he must have seen it as. Um, you know, uh, when when you know John Sykes left Tigers of Pantang to join Thin Lizzy, then joined White Snake. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a whole thing here. You know that that, that goes on. Or um, I can't think of some good examples at the moment. But, but I think, there's, but I think, yeah. But I think the thing was, Wolfsbane was so tight as people, as as mates. You know, and then it also goes to that dynamic we were talking about of the disparity of not just age, but power, basically. You're going in as the singer, but you've really not, you've not got the power of a Steve Harris you're, or even the other guys in the band. You're, no. you're the new kid. And, really, and you've got their you, weight of history. Yeah, you've got to follow bit, Bruce yeah, Dickinson. You've to, you, yeah, you've got to do all of that. And it, it goes back to that uh, in one of the very earliest podcasts when we talked about Lars Ulrich and the, the, the film Metallica made some kind of monster when they recruit the bass player. And we did mention that grandstanding moment when they give him a cheque for a million dollars on camera. But you also think that makes sense in that it's bringing you up to a level where you're not going to be embarrassed yeah. by general day-to-day life. Because you imagine, right, you're Blaze and you've, you know, you've not made millions and millions of pounds but you're going into a group where everyone's a millionaire. Yeah. Now, they can give you a bit of a float a, or whatever. A tattooed millionaire. Yeah, tattooed millionaire. But they give you a bit of a float or whatever. But when you're at dinner and everyone's going, let's have more wine, let's have more, you know, 
let's split the bill. You know, just these just these little things that you don't really think of. You go, but I, I know I can't afford. I'm not a millionaire. I can't, let's get a cab. I can't, can't get a cab. You know, I'm just. It's all of those little sort of things that. Yeah, just, it, it's it's a massive inferiority yeah, yeah. situation. And if you're the one who's meant to be out there projecting and. And and that first album comes out. Uh, it wasn't Virtual Eleven, was it? It was one before. The X Factor. The X Factor. Ter- again. And it was turgid. There yeah. was there was there was. It's not a very maiden title, is it? Even, no. be, even before the show, the X. Yeah, yeah. The X Factor. Yeah. That should have been surrounded by walls. Yeah, or, or something yeah. like that. Night it? come. You know, where he Night was fall. there, or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah, like, there you go. Yeah. Like the photographer's great line. You could always tell what film Steve Harris has been watching <laughs> when the new Maiden album comes out. <laughs> Alexander yeah. the Great. Where eagles dare, Mother Russia. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I just think that man had it all stacked against him. And also, if he'd... Say he'd taken over from Paul Diano. Yeah, yeah, it would have been completely different. I think yeah. he would have had a much greater chance of success. been a great success, success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's not. He's, he's following Bruce Dickinson. Yeah. And in, a, who just, that, in a band whose, whose last yeah. album with him was number one yeah, in the UK. There, there's always that thing as well of like, you know, you, he's probably going along. Maiden are doing okay, but not as well as they were. And then you look around the corner and Bruce's solo albums haven't done very well. And you just think, well, the solution's obvious, isn't it? The obvious is going to happen at some point. And in the end, you're just sort of sitting there waiting for the axe to fall, you know. On the Virtual Eleven tour, I went to see them, and they were playing at Rock City in Nottingham, <laughs> yeah. which is which is always a great gig to go to. Great gig, but I mean, it's not. But this is a group that've been doing Wembley, that've yeah. been doing for people that don't understand are in yeah. around the world. Because yeah. don't forget, we were number one in Czechoslovakia. Were we? Yeah, oh. and we were number one in Cambodia. I did not know. So that. we have to address these international issues. Well, we do. So Nottingham Rock City is a bit of a mystery to you if you live in. Yeah, so it, downtown it, Penang. It would have been an amazing gig to do if you were in Wolfsbane or the Choir Boys yeah. or yeah. Uh, but Maiden, who'd done Madison Square Garden, you know, who'd done the LA Forum, this this giant, giant band. To that's how far yeah. their commercial. So Ro- and, of, and Rock City is. It's a club. It's I a mean, club. It's, it's, yeah, a, it's a club. It's a little. It's a club. I mean, it's not what, a seated uh, theatre. Yeah, no, no. It's it's six hundred people. Is that all it is? Or it's, it's a bit bigger. Well, than maybe, or maybe there's an upstairs. Isn't but there? you stand Probably and you drink and yeah. you yeah, rock. Yeah, yeah, it's and a club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a lot of people. So they got rid of Blaze and they brought Bruce Dickinson back. Yeah. Which, in a strange way, because Steve Harris, the leader of Maiden, and Bruce, who was the most successful singer, they never saw eye to eye. They wouldn't do interviews together. They wouldn't sit next to each other on the plane. You know, they, they were as different as you can be. The fact that Bruce called his first album Tattooed Millionaire was always seen as a dig because Steve was covered in tattoos. Yeah. Bruce has never had a tattoo. Bruce went to a public school. That means one of those schools you pay a lot of money to go to. He was a fencer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he learned... He was a gymnast, um, Olympic-level fencer. I'm a pilot. I write... Not, you know, all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve Harris, fucking West Ham fan. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Fucking... Got a football pitch at his house. Yeah. <laughs> and a pub. And a really nice... Yeah, and it was a, a good pub, yeah. Floodlit, 
football pitch, yeah. tennis courts. Yeah. Well, we appeared there. The Kerrang football team appeared on his pitch. I can't imagine what the Kerrang... Fo- I'll be draggled. That well, was. Did you bring in some ringers? Well, no, we made the great mistake of not bringing in some ringers. And none of us <laughs> had played football for years, you know. And uh, we got invited to play against Steve Harris's team, went out to his house. Um, Steve's team was basically Steve plus a load of the Iron Maiden road crew, who were all of whom, like, tasty lads, <laughs> you know, who uh, we later learned spent their entire spare time on tour playing football. We'd gone to the whole... We'd, we'd, we'd gone to the whole... We convinced a record company to pay for our shirts. <laughs> we got a band, I think it was... Um, Boot Source or something, this band they were called? Boot Source. And they, so we had Boot Source logo on our shirts. All of this stuff, got all this, got out there. Up to half time, we were doing quite well. It was 2 1 to Iron Maiden. The final score <laughs> I thought you were uh, say. was Iron Maiden 18 into Kerrang 1. I once you played, could say our fitness was left something to be desired in the I played half. Steve Harris tennis. Oh, yeah. When they're recording the Somewhere in Time album in Amsterdam, uh, or they, they, I don't know, they've recorded it or something. They're in Amsterdam. And, um, of course, I was 28 and I used to play tennis every morning uh, just as a sort of a fitness mm. thing. Uh, but I'd been on the lash, the lads, the yeah. night before, sick as a dog. And uh, we turn up and he's got, he's got um, ball boys, <laughs> drinks, towels, yeah. you know. I haven't yeah, even got a umpire. racket. I haven't even got any plimps on. Yeah. You know. <laughs> So he lends me all the gear. He lends me a, a racket that Pat Cash had given to him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because they were mates with Pat Cash, weren't they? I remember that. Yeah. Big Iron Maiden fan. Yeah, he was, and, yeah. Um, and I used to play every morning, so I wasn't bad. Yeah. And and he wasn't bad. He was good, you know. Yeah. I'd say he was genuinely better than me, but not by much. Yeah. But fucking hell, John. It, it, we did two sets. It went 6-1, 6-3 to him. For yeah. the first set, I'm still pissed. Yeah, you know? yeah. Second set, I start to get it together. Yeah. Um, but at the end if of that only, second if only set... it had been a five-setter, Mick. Well, no, he, he made it a five-setter. Oh, did yeah, By the end of the second set, me getting those three games yeah. nearly killed me. Yeah, yeah. I am... The sweat. Yeah. I'm in... I'm nearly vomiting. He's like, yeah. right, it's a five-setter. I'm like, <laughs> oh, come on, Steve. Yeah. Third set, he beat me six luck. Because, I mean, yeah. I just... Cut, I couldn't that's, walk for that's, three that, yeah. days. Yeah, that's like the football match. It's like the football. Match. It went ninety minutes, even though they were eighteen one up. You know, you got to yeah, play to you, the whistle, play mate. to the whistle. Yeah, because he had a. That's what you reminded me. He had a proper referee. Of course, he did. You know, in the gear, in the black with the badge and everything. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. playing tennis in jeans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's got the. Or he's in the yeah, whites. The other thing, yeah, you didn't make a classic was, mistake just... we've made. We'd all bought new football boots, Ooh. so you're like, you think you're great. <sighs> Breaking them in. Yeah, but like, yeah, after a, half an hour, mm. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you get to the 80th minute? <laughs> yeah. No substitution. Only one substitution in, in, in those you days. You can see, like, the, at his house, there's the ground, and you can see the pub <laughs> from the ground. You think, well, <laughs> oh, that pub doesn't half look good at the moment, you know. He's <laughs> called it Ari's Bar. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but we see, I mean, he's a tremendous host, really lovely. Oh, mate, you know? He's one of the, yeah. he is de- definitely one of the all time yeah. best. Oh, it was, it was a I brilliant day, but we just, yeah, we let ourselves, down, let ourselves down on the pitch. Good as we man. Yeah. Um, so, so Bruce comes back. It's, it's having spent those years without him and seen their career start to go down the plug hole. 
Bruce, having gone off, he did like a Santana-esque album. He did uh, his own... He actually had a group called Skunk Works, I think. That's right, yeah. Or an album called Skunk Works. Something like that. And, and they were good things, but they were complete flops. Mm. And in the end, uh, some, he, he told me this himself, the Japanese label said, look, it's over unless you make like a heavy metal album. Yeah. So Adrian Smith, who was also out of the group at this point, him and Adrian made an album for Japan, which was really very metal. Right. Probably came out here, but it was done for that market. And it kind of reintroduced him to the heavy metal audience because he'd spent those years basically saying, look, I'm, I'm way too good for Iron Maiden. Mm. There's way more to me. I'm more of yeah, a Michael yeah. Stipe. Yeah. You know, I'm more of a Bono. <laughs> yeah. I'm more of a spokesman well, for Which goes back to that thing we've you've used a bit of theme of this podcast, which is you always want, when you're one thing, you always want the other. When you're John Bon Jovi, you want to be Bruce Springsteen. When you're, you know, when you're, when you're the commercially success, uh, commercially, uh, artistically regarded sort of fish type character or whatever, you want to be... Exactly. Up with Genesis, we're the same, you know. we're the same. In our little pause, we were talking about all the novels we'd like to write. Yeah, well, you yeah. were. I, I'm, yeah. I'm more adjusted well, we than have, you, but, yeah, yeah. but you've got a few years to go, you know. Yeah. So... Maiden are in Stuck, Dickinson's solo career is in Stuck. That's the best time yeah. to put people together. Yeah. Irvin Azoff learned this with the Eagles and mm. Journey and everybody else. Well, the Eagles calling it when hell freezes over was a joke, wasn't it, on the fact they that's what they'd said would happen before they got back together. But you're right, you just have to wait for that moment to come. Now, we're almost out of time, and there are many other examples, and we, this will be a continuing... Continuing series. series. Not for the next... You, we'll come we'll, back we'll to come it. We'll come back. We'll come back. Yeah. Somewhere in time. We'll, yes. You like that? You like yeah, what I, I did like there? That. See I what like I did that. there? Paul Deanna. But we're going to end. Yeah. With one of I think the most ludicrous moments, where one of the most famous rock bands of all time Ooh. wanted to replace the original singer. Oh. And came this close. I'm doing a. A I'm, tiny. I'm making a tiny space with yeah. my fingers. Yeah. Um. And it, it never got to doing a gig or making a recording, but it came that fucking close. After Led Zeppelin did the two, uh, 2007 show at the O2 in London. Oh, yeah, I know that one, yeah. Robert Plant... The, the, what people don't understand is that it was meant to be a launch pad for a proper Led Zeppelin reformation. Not like we're back and, and, and forever... I mean, in Jimmy's mind, it would have been we're back forever... But from Robert's point of view, it was, we'll be back, but then yeah. I can still go and do my solo yeah. stuff. and Sit, stand around in the desert, looking cool. But the experience of all the rehearsals and all the palaver that went around that show uh, and the fact that he had quite a big success with his solo album with Alison... Um, Krauss. Yes. Meant he, he bailed. Yeah. He didn't have the most fantastic night of his life yeah, at the O2. Yeah. It was kind of like, oh, yeah, I remember what uh, this was I like. I remember why we split up. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But it's all lined up. The, the million, the hundreds of millions are lined up, the shows, it's all there. It's need a singer. Yeah. And so Jimmy Page takes the unthinkable. I'm, just, I'm just really waiting to see who you're going to say now because I've got no idea. So the band's going to be Jason Bonham on drums. Yeah. Perfect. Good yeah. fit. John, yeah. his father, is no longer with us. Yeah. Jason's a brilliant drummer. He is. No argument there. Yeah. 
Who's going to replace Robert Plant? Well, hang on. So, and JPJ's doing it. Jo- sorry, John Paul Jones is yeah. doing it. This is, and it's going to yeah. go out as Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Jimmy's in. Yeah. This is Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Who's the singer? I, 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 I can't imagine who you're going to say. I'm starting to think you haven't read my Led Zeppelin book, John. I have read your Led Zeppelin. <laughs> oh, you didn't read the updated oh, 40th no, anniversary no. edition? Oh, maybe not. No, no. Stephen Tyler. No! Stephen Tyler oh, of Aerosmith. That would have been terrible. Comes to London. They start rehearsing. They are rehearsing, my man. Rehearsing. God. They are starting to write Material. This is like when Axel joined ACDC. No, I th- see. I think Axel joining yeah, ACDC right. was, was was good. Was, yeah, I'd was rather fine. see Axel than yeah. Jono. Yeah, I suppose. So, Love yeah. Jono back yeah. in the day, forty well, yeah, years ago. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'd see Steven Tyler just to see what it. You know, it's like you know, would you look out the window when there was a car crash? Can you There's a lady. Yeah. Who's who? Oh will, no. Are they glitters? What were they thinking? <laughs> They were thinking this, John. Yeah, One million, two million. No, no. In fairness, Jimmy Page was thinking, for fuck's sake, what have I got yeah. to do to get fucking plant yeah. to just stand on a fucking stage and sing a whole lot of fucking love? I'll tell you who they should have got. I you haven't heard how why it didn't happen yet, but go on. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. Okay. Oh, well, I'll tell you who the one person I think they could have got who could have pulled it off as a singer and it would have been a complete sideways step but it might have worked, is Anne Wilson. Have you, have you, <laughs> have you seen her do the... Uh, they did s- try They did try that guy, Miles Kennedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen Anne Wilson do the, the thing at the Kennedy Centre? Um, listen, totally, totally I have, but I, that's like saying if Mick Jagger left the Stones, you could get Anne Wilson, you know. Well, no, no, because I think she's got, you know, she's got a very plant-style voice. No, listen. I, I agree that that stairway to heaven they did at the uh, the um, the president. Yeah, if you're uh, talking as a pure singer, and I think it would have been such a sideways step, hmm. she can't possibly be compared to him because that's your problem. Hmm. Is everyone's always thinking that? Hmm. Whereas if you jump sexes, as it were, yeah. there's no way. Do you know what? And she's a star. You know and you're she's a, a star. That's and, visionary. And she is a fucking brilliant singer. Way better than Steven Tyler. Let's be honest. They tried Miles Kennedy. Yeah. Uh, Jason had a couple of ideas for songs. Jimmy had John Paul. See, Miles Kennedy's never going to work, even if he sounds like God. He didn't work. Yeah. But Stephen Tyler, you know what? What the straw that broke that camel's back was? They're trying to put material together, and for whatever reason, it's just not happening. And Stephen Tyler says to Jimmy Page. Listen, there's this guy I work with who's amazing, Marty Friedrichsen. Why don't we bring him in? And, and I mean, I don't, I'm not even going to finish that sentence because this is Led yeah, Zeppelin. This is Jimmy Page. <laughs> and Marty Friedrichsen is going to come in and write, you know, yeah. uh, he might have a, there's this woman, Diane Warren. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's this guy, Desmond Child, yeah. did a he'll, lot of Bon Jovi. He'll sort us out. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa, yeah. stairway yeah. on a prayer. 
It's just... And at that point, I'm told Jimmy Page, who would never say it to your face, but he said it to who he needed to say it to, and the get next day Tyler was on a plane yeah, going home. get this guy out of here. And that was the end of it. Apparently it was Harvey Goldsmith that finally said to Page, come on, yeah, you can't do this. You could form a new group with yeah, you Stephen could, yeah. Tyler. See, that's the problem with doing it. You just, I mean, even saying left field ideas i just don't think you could do led zeppelin without without if, if page could do coverdale which he did yeah then he could do stephen Tyler. yeah he could do he yeah. could do anybody yeah but you're not going to get the 100 million but you can't call it, it led zeppelin no but with page yes it's the money but there is there really is in page's case because he is one of the wealthiest musicians of all time although they never have enough that doesn't mean you don't no. want money it no. means you just want more yeah um but in his case i think this is his life. Led Zeppelin was yeah. a dream he had that turned into a nightmare. And it's been a nightmare now for 40 years. Or in the time of the O2, we're going back 12 years yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Um, that's his life. He's been waiting. Led, to this day, he curates the back catalogue. Yeah, he does. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Bless his heart. You know, why not? I mean, this is, this is his thing. This isn't Plant's thing. Mm. Plant's thing is was Alison Krauss that proved yeah. that proved he well, wasn't. I mean, in he, fairness about, to Robert, Robert Plant. Plant, thinks people think he's like Metallica or Judas yeah. Priest or Iron Maiden. And then to, to Plant, that's the ultimate in yeah. disrespect yeah. and not getting who I am. And I kind of get that about him because he has subsequently proved that he wants to go off and do his musical explorations. And the rock star thing was a period of his life. But it wasn't spent his, the rest but, of it living it, it down. Yeah, but it wasn't his life, you know. It was a period of his life. I saw Robert on one of those TV evening, early evening kind of newsy mm, yeah, yeah. bit of fun. Oh, we took our team to yeah. Manchester yeah. To, to see what people thought of the new Greg sausage roll. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And he's on the couch. And of course, he's from the Midlands. And they do this whole thing they've set up for him, right? And I'm watching this live, and I'm watching this going, oh, "Don't do that." Yeah. This is this is so indicative of his the cross that he is on, the headless cross mm. that Robert is on. Um, they do this thing where you have to guess what the song is, and they're all Led Zeppelin songs because right. nobody knows any Robert Plant songs. Yeah. I mean, you you do, I do, and yeah. Robert Plant. There are some great Robert Plant songs, but that isn't at 6 p.m. on the TV. Yeah, no one no, fucking yeah, knows anyone. No. But they know a whole lot of love and yeah. Stairway to Heaven and it's all that. The answers to every question. And then they go, well, now, and Robert is like, he's doing his best to play along, but, you know. 28 Psalms. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Big log. Yeah. No, no, Robert. Yeah. whole lot of love. Um, and then they cut to our team in the Midlands where uh, we're going straight over to the guys from Wolverhampton Wanderers. Oh, because he love that, yeah. Didn't like it. Oh, no, have I got this the wrong way around? Oh, no, he is, sorry, he, he is a Wolverhampton. Yeah, he's a massive Wolverhampton. Right, they go, we're going straight over to the Midlands to the, the boys from West Bromwich Albion. <laughs> And they're, and they're in the training uh, five-a-side bit and there's yeah. kickabout and then they come running over with the boy. Hi, Robert, just wanted to... Because they've been told he's a big supporter, yeah, right? They don't dear. fucking know. They don't even know who he is. No, These no. are footballers in yeah. their 20s. Yeah, yeah. Hello, Robert, yeah, yeah. you know, and Plant's just watching this. Yeah, 
like little soft thumb up, and then he's like, "Well, I'm, I'm more of a Wolverhampton yeah, one." Yeah. <laughs> we'll just skate over that. Yeah. It was a fucking shitstorm, catastrophe. Full partridge. It was the yeah. full Alan Partridge. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think there's a lesson there, John. There is. What well, you know, you can replace lesson, your singer, but you can't replace yourself. The, the legend. Yeah. You can <laughs> replace good. the singer. The but singer you, can replace the, singing, the band. Yeah. But. You can't replace... doesn't always work. ...the legend. Now, there are many other bands with many other singers that came in, but that's for another time. It's for another day. We'll see you then. We'll see you then. Goodbye. Goodbye. If you liked this episode, be sure to leave us a review, share it with a friend, or plain old subscribe wherever you happen to listen to it. For full episode show notes, visit nofilter.media forward slash... Get your rocks this has up. been a no filter media production. Say what you want.